0: Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Vibrant Church, let me hear from you Sunday morning. Come on, let's make it loud. I love it. I love it. I love it. Man, today is a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. My name is Michael. My wife Carmen and I, we have the tremendous honor and privilege of serving this church as lead pastors, and we're so thankful that you chose to be at church today. Let's give it up for all of our first-time guests. Come on, let's do it. Big welcome. As always, I want to take just a moment and. Uh, More than ever, welcome our online family in. And so no matter who you're watching with, where you're watching from, thank you so much for making Vibrant part of your Sunday. Let's welcome our online family in. And so today is a very, very special, special day. Uh, It is my beautiful wife's birthday It is her birthday. Now, unfortunately, she's not able to be here today, uh, but what I wish that we would do is, uh, Carmen, I I know you're watching right now. I wish that we could just like stand up and get loud for Carmen and wish her a happy birthday. All right, so just stand up and just humor me for a moment. We're gonna sing happy birthday to my wife. Is that okay? And she's at home. There's a microphone up here. She's gonna hear it. Can we sing this together? Can we do that? Ready? One, two, three. Lead us, Sean. Here we go. Happy Happy birthday birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Carmen, happy birthday to you. Thank you so much, thank you so much. Baby, we love you and and, uh, hope you have a, a wonderful day. Uh, that we'll we'll formally accept all of those as worship team tryouts, and so rehearsals are on Thursday nights uh, at seven o'clock. So we'll see you all there. Okay, sounds good, except for Pastor Sean. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm just getting half Hey, next Sunday uh, it, it, we're starting 21 days of prayer, but also we have something. Else that we're doing is going to be great. If next Sunday is Back to School Sunday, okay, it is Back to School Sunday. Where there's two things going to be going on. Whether you are your children are going into pre-K or college, okay, uh, we're going to uh, yeah, we're going to be bringing everybody on the stage, and we're going to be praying over all of our kids going back to school, okay. We're going to bring it, in both services we will pray over our kids going back to school. But then also, as what we always do, we don't want to be um, insular as Uh, as a church but we always want to focus on the exterior we want to focus on people on the outside because God sent us to this city to reach people amen and so we always want to focus on the outside and the way that we're going to do that was we're partnering with the H-Town Dream Center and we're going to do a big a large backpack drive okay here's my challenge to you last year we get when we did a backpack drive we were able to get like 152 backpacks which was incredible it was awesome like they gave us a box and they had to like dump the box and refill the box. is really cool, okay? Here's what, here's what I'm saying. We've doubled as a church since then, more than double. I wanna challenge us to double that number and go to 300 backpacks and do it by next Sunday. Can we do that? All right, here's the thing. I need you to go to the store this week, go get as many backpacks as possible. Look on our social media. There's gonna be a, a, a two different school supply list, one for young children, one for older children. Go get one of those lists, and go fill those backpacks up with stuff, okay? All right? Now, I will, I will tell you this. Typically, neutral backpacks are the best. So like Peppa Pig, as cool as Peppa Pig is, let's maybe just kind of leave that one at the store. You know what I'm saying? Let's go with more neutral. That way we can go for boy, girl, and, and let's do that, okay? So can we get 300 backpacks by next Sunday? Yeah. We can do it. I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm going with you. Let's do it. Let's do it big. Amen. So we're starting a brand new season and a brand new series of our church here. The season of our church will actually be the most unique season that we've experienced yet. At, at you know two years into our church, if this church knows anything, it knows about uh, transition and and change and, and uh, because we're growing so quickly, because we can't really uh, we can't remain the same, right? And so soon the walls of this building. Will be completely knocked down, and we're gonna begin the process of building what was prophesied from the day that we launched Vibrant Church. As we move into this construction expansion, I do want to once again remind you and encourage you uh, to give us grace as we move through this season. When I tell you walls are going to be knocked down, I mean, I'm talking like that wall and that wall. And there will not be many walls left (laughs) initially, and then they'll get started working. But I want to encourage you to give us some grace in this season. I I promise you two things when you show up every Sunday morning. You will experience safety and excellence Safety and excellence. Your kids are going to experience safety and excellence. We're going to be building temporary walls so you'll know where to go when you get here and check in your kids in a safe way. Safety and excellence, I promise you those things. Our team is working diligently to make this happen. But in this construction season, there are some things that we have to do that are uncomfortable, right? I would love to tell you uh, that, you know, they're going to build everything around us. We're never going to be inconvenienced. And then you'll show up one Sunday and boom, our space will be doubled and it'll all be done. And we don't, there's nothing, no uncomfortability to it. But that's just not the case, right? There's going to be some walls knocked down and the stage lights are not. You're going to show up some Sundays and, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the sound system is going to be portable and we're going to have electric drums instead of these drums. You know, there's just going to be some things that are different than what they are right now. That doesn't mean that they're worse. It just means that they're different. It's part of the process. Here's where I want you to, I want you to get this as we go into this series and the season. The process unveils the promise. The process unveils the promise. Any time in your life when God gives you a promise, there'll be a process that's attached to it. You can't get the promise without the process. Okay. No matter what is going on in your world, you cannot get the promise without the process. And I think that's what so many times in our culture today, we live in a microwave culture, that, okay, God promised me something. I expect it tomorrow at 6.15 a.m. when my alarm goes off. And that's typically not the case. There's a lot of 6 a.m.s between the, when you get the promise and the promise comes to, to fruition, right? And so I want you to understand that the end goal of the promise makes the process worth it. The end goal of the promise makes the process worth it, right? Once this building is all complete, um, we're in it, we're going to enjoy it, and we're going to fill it up rather quickly with more people and more services and grow even more. We really anticipate filling up pretty quickly and launching you know, a, a second service rather quickly and then eventually a third, and we anticipate thousands of people being able to call Vibrant Church home within the next not long from now. Okay, we anticipate that. A few months ago, um, I preached a series called Kingdom Code, where we really leaned into the Holy Spirit and why He's important in our lives. and And it's very this series is kind of the it's essentially going to be a sequel to that series. Everybody loves a good sequel, right? All right, anybody see the second Space Jam? Give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Anybody? Oh, a thumbs, man, a lot of thumbs down. I thought it was pretty good. Okay, whatever. It was made for 12-year-olds, okay? Chill out. I'm just gonna, all right. Everybody loves a good sequel, All right. Uh, let me, let me kind of open up where we're going to be. This entire series, we're going to be in Galatians 5. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, Pastor Michael, how are you going to be for five weeks in one chapter? Trust me, the challenge accepted, okay? <laughs> uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Galatians 5, uh, verse 16 through 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Everybody say the Spirit. Okay, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, Right there, there there's a difference between your spirit and your flesh, and they're at war, okay? For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. They're fighting. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. You guessed it. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. In the introduction of this series, I want to remind you that you're in a war. You're in a battle. You are in a spiritual war for your life. It happens every moment of every day and it's a war between your flesh and your spirit. They are opposed to each other and they're, they're, they're keeping you from doing the things that you want to do. They're opposed to each other, right? Your spirit naturally is going to lean in towards serving God. The Bible puts it this way. God sets the eternity on the heart of every man. God naturally puts an instinct within your spirit to draw close to the Lord. Whether you know it or you like it or you accept it, there is a pulling back towards God. But then the other side is your flesh naturally wants to please the flesh. That's why it's when you're on a diet and you're trying to eat right, when you go to that restaurant, when you go to Grimaldi's and and, And man, I got to tell you, that salad is just not as appetizing as that pepperoni pizza. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? And if you're going to eat that pizza, you got to get a Pepsi with it, okay? You can't drink water with with pizza, all right? Roderick's looking at me funky over here. I'm not going to look that way, okay? Um, (laughs) Don't judge me, Roderick. No, I'm just kidding. Your flesh and your spirit naturally fight against each other, right? They naturally. But Paul makes it even more plain that the war, about the war you're fighting here, he says, If you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The works of the flesh are evident. How do we know that we're following the flesh? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, uh, strife jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. Makes it pretty clear, right? I warn you as I've warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, that's strong language. That doesn't fit in my acceptance culture. Um, that's strong wording, will not inherit the kingdom of God. I, now, there are a few things that I want to make abundantly clear when we read this contextually, is that there's a difference in a mistake and a lifestyle. There's a difference in a mistake in a lifestyle. Every Christian in the world will sin, some more than others. Don't you dare elbow somebody right now, okay? But when we sin, it's important for us to come back to Jesus with a repentant heart and plan to lean into the Holy Spirit to change us. We plan to be changed, but if we allow these other things to have a hold of the direction of our lives and we lean into our flesh, you better check that spiritual check engine light because that engine may be taking you to a place you're not ready to go, right? One of the best things about being saved is the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He changes us, He directs us, He gives us a course of action. We get to experience a little bit of heaven on earth. We get to experience that. That's the Holy Spirit influencing and leading us. I don't know, about, have you ever had a, a Selah moment with God that you just didn't want it to end? Where you like, you didn't pay attention to the clock? You didn't pay attention to anything else around you. For some of you, it might be a Sunday moment where it's just kind of a response, an altar call moment, or maybe it's a moment at home with God where you just you didn't want it to end. That's a little bit of heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. But when sin becomes a lifestyle and addictions grab hold of us and we follow and we we follow the leading of our flesh. And the pleasing of our flesh. It keeps us from living vibrant life in Jesus. It keeps us from that. It keeps us from experiencing the kingdom of heaven on earth. Let's be honest Honest here. How many of us in this room have sinned, know that we sinned, and it ruined the rest of our day? I've been there. We've been there, right? Like you just wanted to go to bed and get up the next day because you knew that that day was ruined. We've all done this. We beat ourselves up over it. But the point here is that leaning into the lifestyle of the Holy Spirit prevents us from living the life of the flesh. But leaning into the lifestyle of the flesh prevents us from living the life the Holy Spirit wants to... And I'm going somewhere. I just you got to get this before I can get to my next point, okay? You've got to get this, okay? here's where I'm going in this series. For you to experience the promise of the life of living in the Holy Spirit, you've got to lean into the process of being changed by the Holy Spirit. You've got to lean into the process of being worked on a little bit, even if it's uncomfortable. Jesus does the most in us when we're okay with being uncomfortable. You know, about 10 years ago, I was playing football in a church uh, flag football league and we were playing on a softball field that had a bunch of holes and ruts and things and I was actually returning to kickoff returned to kickoff and I went to cut and I hit my leg in one of those potholes and I cut and my knee went and instantly I lost all strength in my leg I fell down and I tore my ACL and my meniscus that day and by a miracle of the Lord, I was able to walk to the sideline and drive the van for all the people to get home that night. But, but so I tore my ACL. And, and when I went to the doctor, man, I, I tell you what, I just riled in pain that night just rolled back and forth just hurting medicine would not help it it was awful it just felt terrible went to the doctor the next day and he's like yep that's you know did an mri sure enough you got torn acl uh, but i'll tell you this we're going to do acl reconstruction and we're going to take a graft from your knee and all of these things and we're going to rebuild your knee and i started asking him like what does this look like for me can i play basketball can i do the things and he was like man i'm telling you you're your knee that you're, you got your bum knee, is what he called it right now, will actually be your better knee when I'm done working on it. When I'm done working on it, by the time I get finished with it, it'll be better than your old knee. And I'm like, man, that's, there's no way. And I'm telling you the truth, 10 years, now 10 years later, this knee is actually the knee that's not sore when I play basketball right? This knee's not... See, why? Because the process led me to a promise, but the process was very uncomfortable. If you've ever gone under and you've ever had knee surgery, if you've ever had like that, very uncomfortable. Recovery from it, very uncomfortable. Then stretching your knee, and I got out of surgery, literally the next day, they're stretching my knee out. It was the worst thing ever, I'm telling you. I would tell you things that would make you grow. It just, yeah, it's yucky. I'm telling you, it's nasty. Now, but but the process led me to the promise of healing, There's a process there. There's a process. This building won't happen without construction process. But when the process is worked, the promise is delivered. Now, we've talked about all of this, about what, you know, the things keeping the Holy Spirit from working in your life and what's going on in you. Now let's look at the other side. What happens when the process is worked? What happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us? What happens when we're under construction spiritually? Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, everybody say the fruit of the Spirit. is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. And to those who belong in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. We won the battle. We're killing the flesh. We're, be- we're-, we're winning this battle. And its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, we win the battle. Let us all keep in step with the Spirit. The last step, the last statement of that is key. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When I was in high school, I was in marching band. Any of my band nerds in here? Any of my band people? Okay, all right, like four of y'all. That's cool. I was one. Uh, I was in drumline, but we could spend hours. Uh, making sure in practice in 100-degree heat, making sure we rolled our feet just right, or we crab-walked without our drum bouncing. Why? Why did we work on all that? Have you all ever seen a bad marching band? Not for very long, you didn't. You went to the concession stand, you know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't watch one for very, very long, right? We've all seen a bad one. You wanted to be the best, right? You want to be the best. And, and so, alignment... Alignment with the Spirit, alignment creates release, okay? Release, alignment creates release. There is a peace in your life that comes from alignment with the Holy Spirit. There is peace in your life that comes from it. You won't get it any other way. You won't, get it, you won't, you won't find it in anything you can find in the world. You'll only find that peace from alignment with the Holy Spirit. Here's the great thing about this word is that he gave us symptoms of when the Holy Spirit is working on us. I know symptoms is not a good word right now, okay? But I want you to go with me, okay? He gave us symptoms of when the Holy Spirit is working on us. You'll be able to see progress on this building when the building's every week. You're going to see the new walls, new, you know, new things coming in, new, you know, all things, and it would be a lot of fun to see the process. It's going to be beautiful, but you'll be able to see the process also in your life when the Spirit is working on you. How? You'll see love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, these will naturally exude from you. I've had people ask me before, Pastor Michael, I want to be a healthy Christian, but I just don't know what how. I don't know how to do it. What does that look like? That right there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is what it looks like. The fruit of the Spirit is not what we can make ourselves do for a moment, but what God makes us to be for a lifetime. Every week in this series, we're going to kind of break down what these fruits of the Spirit look like in in our lives practically. The goal here is to see the fruit every day in your life. That's the goal here. I want you to see that. But today, opening up, we're going to focus just on one fruit because it's probably the biggest of all of these. It's it's the first one. It opens the door for the rest, and and that fruit is love. Everybody say love. I know it's August, and, and I'm preaching about love. I know uh, but hang with me, so uh, love is something that we all want, we look for and we desire, but many of us struggle to live it out. We struggle to live it out it 's easier to ex- absorb than it is to exude it 's easier to absorb than it is to exude. Mother Teresa said the hunger for love is more difficult to remove than hunger for bread. There are three points about this this spiritual love that I want to make to you and and They're gonna put them on the screen, but you can write them down, take a picture of the screen, however you want to do that. But number one is that we have the capacity to love because of the image of God. We have the ability to love because of the image of God. I want you to recognize this. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from. It's okay. We're a talk bad church, right? Love comes from. Right. Anyone who loves God is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love God, uh, whoever does not love, does not know God, for God is love. Now, there's another translation there that actually reverses those words. Instead of God is love, it says because God is in the beginning, right, he technically can't be anything. Anything is actually describing him, right? So love is from God. If you're looking for an accurate picture of what love is, it's God. It's what God is made of. Many of our world's problems exist today because people have been looking for love outside of God. Now, I could sing a song right now, but I won't do it, you 90s kids. Uh, And so (laughs) love is not a feeling or a song, though. It's a fruit that is naturally grown in us to being discipled in Christ. Show me a person that knows how to love well, and that's that's a person that's been with Jesus. I can tell. Love is built from the characteristics of the Lord. We are made in his image. Our natural image or the building blocks of who we are is love. When you were made, you were made in the image of God. The image of God is love. So Let's put all of this together. You were made in the image of God. The image of God is love, so the image of you is love. God made you naturally to love people. God made you naturally to love. It's who you were made to be. Your capacity to love your family doesn't come from how good you are, but it comes from the Lord. He installed it in you in the beginning of time. He installed it in you when you were a baby, when you were born, when you came out of the womb. You came out with the ability to love. That's why you gave your mama such good snuggles. Come on, somebody. Right? You came, you, you came out of the womb with the ability to love. That's why when you come to church and you connect with the family of God, it changes you. Well, Pastor Michael, I just don't understand it. There's a drawing to me. Every time I leave church, I just can't wait to get back. There's a love that is in you that is being brought out and accentuated when you're connected to the family of God. It's being, it's being accentuated. You rub off on people and it connects and this it makes sense. Number two, Love is the highest of all fruits and the soil from which other fruits grow. Love is a miracle fruit. Love is a miracle fruit. It is something that the Lord gave us to show the most understandable characteristic of God himself. The most understandable characteristic. When we dig into 1 Corinthians 13, this is called the love chapter. Okay, If you want to know what love is all about, you've probably seen some of these quotes at your local Hobby Lobby. Um, (laughs) In chapter 13, verse 1, it says, If I could speak all the languages of the earth and angels, but I didn't love others, I would be only as a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I want you to recognize there that loving people is separate from doing for people loving people is separate from doing for people love what is love let's let's live this out let's be practical love is patient love is kind once again we're seeing connection and correlation with these fruit of the spirit right It's patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. In other words, love is nothing like any politician you've ever met. Praise God. Prophecy. Y'all can amen that. That's okay. Okay. Uh, prophecy. I'm going to move on. Y'all are uncomfortable. It's all right. Prophecy and speaking in an unknown languages and special knowledge, gifts of the Spirit, will become useless. Well, you don't know how talented I am. I, I don't care how talented you are. I'll take somebody that loves people over some of this talented. One of my favorite things about my team that I get to brag to my friends about, okay? I know it's not holy to brag. I know I just read that, but I'm going to brag to my team. I, I brag, brag to my people about my team, about how much they love people. Talent will come and go, but we love people. Nobody going to love people like we love people. This, this, this is what we live for. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but the, the love will last forever. Three things will last forever. Faith Hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. Some of y'all got that, you're in the kitchen. Uh, (laughs) So as Christians, I want you to recognize that we've been called to love differently than the world. We've been called to love differently. The world's way of love is what you do. It's what you do. That's why sex sells. It's truth. People confuse the love they want and need The love love that they experience in the world, they confuse that with the love that is God-ordained. The world's love becomes about what you do, and so sex ends up becoming equal to love, and everything becomes about sex because it equals that. That's why our world is ran by money and sex. That's why some of the biggest issues in our culture today money and sex some of the biggest issues in marriages money and sex love is not about what you do it's about what Christ's love is says it's about who you are it's what naturally springs up from you i want you i want you to, let's go back to this this right here love is patient it naturally exudes from you love is kind It naturally comes out. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. You know, when you go outside, naturally, in the summertime, I don't know one person that's going to go outside and not sweat. Right? Naturally, sweat is going to come from your body. And eventually, you stay out there long enough, you're going to need a bath and some extra deodorant. Praise God, okay? Right? It naturally comes from your body. When you experience this fruit of the spirit of love, you naturally, it comes out of your body and you cannot help it. It naturally exudes from your spirit. When you walk into the room, people go, oh, oh, they're here. Oh, I can't wait. Let me go hug their neck! I can't wait. Is Is it naturally exuding from your spirit? It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Are you happy when you get your way or are you happy when truth wins? Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. What is love looking like in your life? Is it about the things that you do? This is how you know that you're under construction. When when you're done wrong, but you still love This is how you know when you're winning that battle of your flesh because when you're done wrong, you want to fight back. You want to retaliate. We're living in a world that retaliates and retaliates and retaliates. You know you're winning this warfare when you're able to not retaliate and still love when they did you wrong, when you were right. This is how you know when you're under construction, when you're mocked. And you're made fun of. But you still love. When they're rude and they speak down to you and they talk about you. When you walk up on that conversation at work and you know it was about you. But you still love. Life isn't all together and and circumstances have come against you and you feel like, man, I just can't get ahead in life. But I still love. That's how you know the fruit is coming out. Number three, love is not an option. Love is a command. Command. John chapter thirteen, verse thirty-four and thirty-five. So now I'm giving you a new commandment: love each other, just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We used this verse 1 year 2 years ago, not 1 year 2 years ago, in our team launch in pre in pre-launch. What sets this church apart is not going to be our production, what that's not going to be music. And we want to be excellent in all the things. It's not going to be our building. It's not going to be I mean, what is going to set us apart from anything in the world? Somebody could go down to main event and get, you know, they can go play games with their kids. We're not, you know, we don't have Video games in there for your kids. What is going to set this church apart is the way we love. The what is going to set you apart individually as a Christian is how you love people. And once you get that, you'll recognize. You'll be able to live this out, the way you love people. I, I, I want. I want to make a visual illustration here, and, and if our media team can help me, in Palestine there are two seas, and, and two seas. There's one is the Sea of Galilee, and it's actually not really a sea. But it's a freshwater lake that's 13 miles long, and, and it's 7 miles wide. And, and so at its deepest point, this lake is only 150 feet deep, but it's called the Sea of Galilee. It's Israel's fresh, uh, largest freshwater lake, in it, and it's absolutely picturesque. I mean, uh, you can see it. It's actually on the right side here. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, that it's home to twenty four varieties of fish. The vegetation is lush, as you can see. Many animals make their nests on the banks uh, around. And historian Josephus wrote that it was that it was wonderful in its characteristics and its beauty. Thanks to the rich soil, there was not a plant there that does not flourish. And its inhabitants grow everything. The air is so temperate that it it suits most diverse species. It's literally one of the most perfect places on earth. The rabbi said of it, although God created seven seas, yet he chose this one as his special delight. It's really a remarkable, beautiful place, the Sea of Galilee. Most of it is completely protected from development. Uh, Now, the other sea in Palestine uh, is actually called the Dead Sea. It's on this side. The Dead Sea is much of a different story. At 1,400 feet below sea level, its shores are the lowest dry land on earth. Its water is about 10 times saltier than any other sea in the world. In fact, the water at the Dead Sea is 35% salt. This, of course, means that nothing can live in the Dead Sea. They say that microscopic bacteria can live in it, but no fish, no animals, no plant material. Literally nothing is growing around the Dead Sea. You can see around it. It's literally dead. Now, this is the interesting part. Master Michael, why are you talking about seas in church? Uh, this is the interesting part. Both of these seas are fed by the River Jordan. They both have the water. The Jordan River flows into the Sea of Galilee, and then through the Sea of Galilee, it continues south and flows into the Dead Sea. The same water, yet one lake teems with life, and the other is dead. Here's why. The Dead Sea is so far below sea level that it has no outlet stream. It has nowhere to go. The water flows in, but does not flow out. They say seven million tons of water evaporate from the Dead Sea every day, but the minerals remain causing the salt content to be super concentrated and unhealthy. But when the Sea of Galilee takes water from the Jordan and then then it gives water, the water simply passes through. But then as a result, the Sea of Galilee teems with life and beauty. The Dead Sea, on the other hand, only takes water. It gives nothing back and as a result sustains no life. Can you see the connection? The River Jordan is the river of God's love that he expects people to be like in the the Sea of Galilee, taking on the love of God and allowing the love to pass through us and out of us and around. It naturally can't help but flow. But when that happens, we become people who are beautiful and luscious and vibrant and beautiful. That's that's what fruitful, that's what spiritual health looks like. That's what the fruit of the Spirit looks like in us. But the danger of consumerism in the church is that we become like the Dead Sea. We take, we take, we take. Nothing flows out of us. Yes, I receive the love of God, but I do nothing with it, and I serve my flesh. And what happens is things evaporate out of us, and we do more dying than we do living. This is why we preach it all the time. 100% almost every message includes something about you need to go through next and get on a team because you've experienced the love of God. You've experienced the grace of God. Now it's your job. You need to connect and share it with somebody else in the house and out of the house. Inside the house, it's our job to equip you and give you the tools and resources for you to live that out out of the house. But unless you get discipled, you can't experience the promise. So, well, Pastor Michael, I come to church every Sunday. Well, you receive, you receive, you receive, you receive, but where is the outflow in your life? If you want to be healthy spiritually, you need to be serving other people. It's not about what you do, though. It's about who you are. Who you are leads you to what you do. Today is my wife's birthday, and I told my kids this weekend, Sunday is mom's birthday. What did they naturally want to do? They wanted to make her handwritten cards. Not because I told them to do so, but it's because of who they are. They love their mother, and that leads them to what they do. It leads them to what they do. If you want to be healthiest, if you want your finances to be healthiest spiritually, you need to be tithing. I know it's real quiet. Y'all can hear the squeak in the floor right now. Why? Because when we, all we do is take, 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 and there's never an outflow back into the Lord's kingdom, we're doing more dying financially than we are living. It's the truth. You don't want your bank account to look like the Dead Sea, but when we tithe unto the Lord, he always provides. Amen? If you want to be spiritually, most, uh, most healthy spiritually, you need to living at, be living out the love of God that, that, that he's given you. We don't just take, 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 but we live out this requirement to love. It's tough for God to bless a closed hand, a closed heart, or a closed life. But when you open up your hand, you open up a window for blessings in your life. I don't know about you, but I want the blessings of God. Does anybody want blessing? Anybody want blessing of God? Come on, clap your hands and let me know you're with me in this house. Would you stand with me across the room today? I'm actually going to close by going backwards for a moment. I'm going to go backwards. For some of you, it's difficult to live out the love of God because you haven't allowed yourself to receive it. You had a rough upbringing. You grew up in a house that didn't serve God. And so, you know, there's this drawing in you and you want to serve God, but you're coming to church and maybe you've been hurt by a church before and you're, you're kind of bringing yourself back to the Lord and you just don't know what to do And maybe for some of you you've been hurt by family some of you you've got self confidence issues and it's like I, I don't know that God loves me I don't know how that I can accept God's love maybe it's just a simple I don't know how In Galatians 5 22 and 23 we read where these are the qualities of the fruits that God wants us to have in our life, and the first one is love. The first fruit is love. Does anybody know what this is right here? It's a ring. It's a ring, this ring right here. Carmen and I, when we got married, we were too dirt poor to get rings. So we exchanged Bibles. True story. At our wedding. Eventually we got wedding rings. And this is the ring that she got me. And I love it very valuable to me, but this ring symbolizes the love. When two people love each other, they give each other a ring in marriage. Why do we use rings? Rings often are made of precious commodities, precious metals or gold or silver. This, this, the reason why is that this love is very precious. It's one of the most precious things that we can ever have. But also this ring is also 100% round. There's no beginning or end to the ring. That's because our love is supposed to be like God's love. Our marriage, it's eternal. The Bible says in Psalm 105 that God has loved us since we were even before we were even born. And he will always love us. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 38 and 39 it says, nothing will ever separate you and I from the love of God. See, God wants us to love him with a never ending love also he wants us to love others in the way. But the point I want you to make, to, I want you to get today is that this ring is very representative of God's love for you. This, this, this ring is represented. You don't know how God could love you after you've been through all that you've been through in your life. You don't know how God could love you after you sinned like you did. Let me tell you, not only does he love you now, but he loved you then, and he's gonna continue to love you in the future. God's love is eternal, and nothing can separate you. Nothing can separate you from that love of God. Some of you in this house, you, you've, you're you you feeling that pull and that urge, and, and you just... You need to surrender your life to Jesus and allow that love to baptize you with a revival, baptize you with, re- with, with a, a spiritual renewing. For some of you, you need to experience the Holy Spirit for the first time. You need to experience a freedom that comes in worship for the first time. But it begins by praying a prayer of surrender, a prayer of recognizing the love of God is so strong. You can't exude what you never take in. That fruit of the spirit is love. It's the greatest of all of these. But for you to do that, the first thing we've gotta do as a church is recognize the greatest love of all. And that is the love of Jesus. That is the love of Jesus, amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed across this room. Today, if that's you and you wanna give your life to Christ, maybe for the first time, or maybe you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, understanding that you've been through some stuff, but you need to you need to kind of step back in and, and give your life back to Jesus. If that's you right now, could you just let it be known by lifting your hands across the room? Come on, that's beautiful. I see you. I see you. That's great. That's awesome. That is awesome. I'm so proud of you. That is so proud of you. I'm proud of you. Let me, let me Let's, church, let's pray this prayer of faith together. Everybody across this room say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in your love, that it's wonderful, that it's great, that it's eternal, that nothing could ever take it away. I recognize you died on a cross for my sin. I repent of my sin and I turn away from serving my flesh. No longer will I serve my flesh. I want to go all in to what you have for me. I need all that you have for me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. You rule my life. I surrender to you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name amen 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 come on church right now can we clap our hands and let's celebrate everybody that